I V M. Hi, I'm Utsav, a behavior researcher by training and a slow traveler by passion. Postcards from Nowhere is a travel podcast where I condense a decade of travel experiences and explore not just the where but also the why and how to travel. My stories emerge from slow traveling the less explored parts of the world: Bosnia and Herzegovina, Armenia, Uzbekistan, and even China. At the end of each story, I give practical tips and new ideas about how to travel better. Centuries ago, from China in the east to Turkey in the west, along the ancient network of trading routes, there was a relentless flow of gold, silk, and spices. The traders also carried with them that critical piece of culture which bridges divides even today. Away from the trappings of language, the politics of clothing, the notions of right and wrong, this piece of culture evokes some of the strongest emotions amongst us. Food, and this particular food. Actually, traveled the farthest. Today, it's found in the Indian subcontinent, all of Asia, the Arabian Peninsula, the Horn of Africa, North Africa, and South Africa. The sheer spread and the population it caters to should make it the world's most popular snack. Muslim merchants brought it to India along the Silk Roads, where it gained rapid acceptance due to its quick preparation time and convenient shape. After cooking around fires during the evening camps, traders could then store them in their bags to eat the next day. In 1334, the scholar explorer Ibn Battuta noted its ingredients: a thin envelope of wheat stuffed with minced meat, almonds, pistachios, onions, and spices, and then fried in ghee. According to Battuta, the snack was served at the court of Muhammad bin Tughlaq, the Sultan of Delhi at the time. The royal Indian poet Amir Khusro observed that the princes and nobility of Delhi greatly savored it. As a kid, used to spending his summer vacations in Sirin Dehradun. No trip was ever complete without devouring it. The lull of the summer afternoon was spent in the anticipation of the evening snack. We were all eager to do the bidding of our elders, wanting to run to the halwai to buy them. The excitement of eating it was accompanied by the joy of it being made, fried in piping hot oil, emerging crisp and golden brown with a crust to die for, and the crust often became the source of fights with some of us nibbling at it. We used to sit in the veranda of my ancestral home in Dehradun. The adults savored the snack, and the conversations flowed. A couple of decades later, 1,600 kilometers from Dehradun, on a hot September afternoon in Bukhara, I stopped to take a break. I walked into one of the numerous cafes which dot the city. As I was mulling around my options, I noticed a uniquely Silk Road phenomenon. On a grey tandoor, plonged right in the middle of the bazaar, amongst eager tourists and even more eager shopkeepers, stood the chef. His sleeves were rolled up to his elbows, and his weight was supported by a large iron ladle. I kept watching him, with a sense honed by years of experience. He peered into the tandoor and expertly pulled out a samosa, or the samosa as we know it in India. As I got over the newness of a samosa that is baked and not fried, a plate had already hit my table. The first bite of a samosa is dangerously hot, as it tends to be hollow from the inside, and a burst of steam escapes. It burns your lips. Something I discovered the hard way. As one becomes used to the heat, you start to savor the mutton. Yes, the samosa, which you have accepted as an integral part of Indian cuisine, actually started off as a meat pie. And what's with the shapes? The size and the shapes can actually greatly vary across regions. In Xinjiang, the Muslim province of China, they are small and square-shaped. 
In Uzbekistan, they are larger and sometimes even round in shape. In India, they are triangular. In fact, the name Samsa was meant to be representative of the pyramids of Central Asia. That's why they are triangular. Indians then, of course, change the ingredients to suit the tastes of the local Indian vegetarian population. As I savored the taste of the Samsa, my gaze met that of the chef. We both smiled and he held a thumbs up, asking for my approval. I walked up to him, kissed my fingers with my lips, indicating my appreciation. In the most Uzbeki way, he put a hand on his heart and said, Rehmat. And I murmured, Rehmat as well. His Rehmat was for the business I gave him. Mine was for the lesson in history and yet another hit of nostalgia. Thousands of miles away from home, a little tired of consuming copious quantities of meat and bread, the Samsa was the jolt of the familiar. It reminded me of the range of influences that today make up Indian culture. We all appreciate home when you miss it abroad. But maybe the entire purpose of travel, even if only for a few moments, is to see the whole world as your home. If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can listen to us on the IVM podcast app or ivmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are IVM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to reach out to me, I am Utsav Memoria on Twitter and YV Travel 42 on Instagram. <laughs>